Hello everybody, thank you so much for being with me, appreciate your time. Sounds like a lot of the market in China is collapsing as we speak. And uh, it's no surprise, no surprise here. We see things happening in Sri Lanka also with the uh, problem about the inflation. Many people have gone over there and uh, protest. Uh, here in this side of the aisle, America, um, the continent, we got to look at Panama protest also. Inflation hitting pretty hard um, in many of these countries. Going back to China, it looks like the uh, a lot of these banks have created a, um, a fraud to some of these uh, customers. Now let me play something that is happening in China as we speak. This comes from the uh, DW News, and I want you to check it out. It's a politically sensitive year for China, and confidence in the financial sector has plunged. A few months ago, four rural lenders in the northern province of Henan froze the deposits of hundreds of thousands of customers. State regulators have finally announced a second round of repayments to some of those account holders from next week. But as Patrick Falk reports from Beijing, this isn't the only banking crisis causing social unease. For weeks, there'd been pockets of demonstrations. Then, one Sunday earlier this month, hundreds gathered in Zhengzhou, the capital of Henan province, demanding compensation. For months, they've been frozen out of their bank accounts with four rural lenders. Before long, thousands of security personnel appeared to suppress the protesters. They'd rush over by the hundreds, grab somebody and beat them and kick them, regardless of whether it was men, women, the elderly or children, even people with disabilities. Li Ming was one of the depositors there that day. That's not his real name, but Li Ming wants to keep his identity concealed, fearing possible retribution. A former taxi driver, he told us he'd deposited 1 million yuan, or around 150,000 US dollars, into one of the banks that had blocked their customers' accounts. They were his family's savings, and they had entrusted him to invest the money. The pain it has brought to us may be lifelong and could even affect our child's future. The Hernan Bank scandal drew widespread attention even before the crackdown on protesters. Last month, many people in China were outraged after authorities turned some of the depositors' COVID-19 health codes red. That stopped them from traveling to demonstrate. It's not clear just how much money the victims have lost in this scandal, but some reports have suggested it could be in the tens of billions of yuan. And indeed it is. People's retirements and savings, uh, banks are not giving their monies back to the people. And it's a fraud. It's completely fraud. As we go in there just to check out what's happening. <laughs> well, usually these entities, what they do is they take their money and the presence of the entities, they flee the country with lots of money. Is this happening? Most likely it is. Usually, this brings a collapse in the economy in China is now in a very dangerous position because now China has to repay some of these people somehow if there's no repayment then there's gonna be more problems from China
And I don't think China can afford to have these people against the government more now. It's quite an uh, interesting thing happening now. And the government, as as of now, they're really not doing much. There's a lot of these things creating the collapse and uh, pushing the yen to go more into the crypto, which is happening more and more as we, uh, by the minute, here in the States, well, this so much printing, you probably, if you live here in the States, obviously, you understand what's going on. And depending what coast you are, you're paying average of $7 still a gallon, maybe six bucks. Because uh, you probably um, got the, the benefits of uh, some of these, um, I don't know how you want to call it, but the benefits is, is that Biden basically reduce a little bit of the gas. That's fine. Um, either way, this is just temporary because he can only um, produce so much unless he goes back to the you know, refineries and, and create some sort of deal where he can actually, well, give them back the permit so they can pump more oil. Because when he went back to um, Saudi Arabia, nothing really happened. So the Saudis didn't, didn't end up doing a deal. Sounds to me that somebody betrayed their trust and instead of making and creating a better deal for them, this new government of Biden um, was basically very adamant of uh, turning their back on them. And by that is uh, when you create a deal that it's beneficial, well, I'll still buy some oil from you. You'll still be making money, that sort of thing. Something definitely happened because obviously the administration here, Biden wants to go all into the green deals. Which is interesting, too, because uh, if you think about it, green deals means that they're going to be closing down all these energy plants, right? And what do these energy plants do? They burn coal so they can create the energy to, well, everybody that we know of. And now the other thing is, in order for you to create batteries, you need energy from these energy plants that burn cold obviously if you don't have any of that stuff it's not sustainable what they're creating sun air and it's not sustainable not quite yet we're not there yet so you're lying to yourself if you think that you can have enough energy for the rest of the world or at least for your country because the infrastructure is not there and this is where we are today, 2022. And this is just the beginning. But I um, remember that I mentioned something about um, the collapse of China will actually come and hit us back here. So you remember this company that was um, making you know, all these buildings and putting a lot of financials in real estate. The interesting thing about that company is that 
was creating all this real estate and making uh, numbers because there were, you know, hey, we have these numbers of 100 units and we're going to sell these units for, you know, $100,000, let's say. Well, the numbers are nice and beautiful um, because we have now 100 units times 100,000 and I'm just giving you a random number in their books they already made 10 million dollars but what if a company like this only has 20 percent of the units sold not all 100 uh, but that's exactly what's happening half of that is obviously five million dollars and that money is still gotta pay interest right they, they gotta pay interest on what they they actually uh, borrowed and they're not doing that and that is what's happening now let's check continue checking the DW news to basically verify what it just said before it's collapsing and that will hit us over here making this inflation even more crazy it's just this summer check it out this isn't the only crisis engulfing Chinese banks right now. Tens of thousands of home buyers across the country have been withholding mortgage payments on stalled construction projects. Many of them ran out of funds and are struggling to complete. Henan is again at the center. The capital, Zhengzhou, is where most mortgage boycotts have been recorded. And they say both cases point to weak government oversight. The local authorities and in the case of the mortgage crisis it's the local housing departments local housing administration departments they are responsible for checking the accounts and making sure that developers use this money in an appropriate way this has not happened many developers have faced a cash crunch since Beijing began reining in easy credit to tame its debt pile so far banks say they can manage the risks from the mortgage crisis but if it gets worse, it could threaten their credit profiles and pile more pressure on China's already strained financial system. Now, this mega company called Evergreen is the one that uh, essentially is the responsible party because all these local banks started investing in this Evergreen who was creating this boom of uh, houses from people that were coming from the farm land to the cities and well they had to live somewhere so evergreen the company will started creating and making this boom of housing but because there's not a lot of land in the city well they have to create rices right kind of like new york city if you don't have you know land then you create a space by going up so the financials uh, saw that this company was making, or I should say the bankers saw that this uh, company was making all these uh, houses and making very well. Uh, they borrow money, Evergreen borrow money and saying, hey, we're going to pay you some of this money back. And they were doing good until the boom housing started to collapse. Yeah, but the creating too many and now a lot of these banks what they did total fraud 
was will give you an interest rate back on your savings if you deposit your money with us and so that's what has started this whole fiasco in China uh, let's remember that China is still under a communist idea idea their ideology is a communist one their way of doing business is still a commun I mean a capitalist one so here is the big collapse of ever evergreen. Ever I wanted to play this so you can hear from some of the experts on this topic and why it's collapsing. Of course, it's very obvious. Too much building, not enough buying. Check it out mindset of lenders in China not to lend too much to Evergrande and other property developers. At the same time, the government advised banks to greatly slow down the issuance of mortgage loans. Evergrande can't sell apartments. It also can't borrow from banks. How could it pay off the loans? And that's where the problem is. These three red lines have created pretty much a sudden stop in terms of using debt to fund debt payments. A huge part of the appeal of investing in any Chinese company is the belief that the government is going to bail out any prominent player if things go wrong. This is still a country controlled by the Communist Party. China saw with, with shock the Western economies almost collapsed during and after the 2008 financial crisis created by a massive debt bubble. It just couldn't afford to shoulder that type of risk itself. The government is taking a particularly negative view on excessive leverage. Evergrande is the poster child for excessive leverage. The Chinese property market is a bit like a game of Jenga. The wealth management investors, offshore bondholders, banks, you've got the local governments that sell land to Evergrande and need it for financing. You've got the central government that's trying to control leverage in the economy, trying to control the economy. You've got ordinary citizens who are buying homes from Evergrande and other developers. You've got construction workers who rely on Evergrande for their income. A whole supply chain of companies, not only within China, but outside of China, that are providing the goods and services to build apartments. Some of these blocks have been pulled out entirely, making the tower sort of teeter and list to one side. And making... Um this company go down along with the other banks that lent money to ever Evergrande and to think that the government is going to bail out these corporations is not quite true perhaps perhaps the people might get some 5 or 20 percent back of their money if they invested in by a lie in their bank by putting their precious money and so this is a collapse that everybody was afraid because it's a it's a big domino effect. You you got employees in these companies and they don't have work, they don't have money, then the economy starts down down downgrading. And this is uh something that if if you if you get good from China and those people they have a family member that is working in some of these companies then you're gonna see the effect either prices are gonna go higher and making these units more expensive 
Now I'm going to be able to compete here. And, um, well, as you know, economy collapse. So what we saw in America, now we're going to see it in China. And China is going to come back and hit us. This is now is hitting us in one way. Um, they're blaming a lot of these things to the war. I would say this. The war is not the cause of a financial crisis in the world. It's the amounts of money being pulled. Sorry, the amounts of money being printed by so many of the governments. And that's what's causing all this inflation. Uh, the devaluation of their currency. Fiat currency, that is. So... As it comes down, uh, the one thing I do worry is um, the amount of uh, things that we see as far as uh, shortages. Why do we have to see that when there's plenty of farms and there's plenty of, uh, um, you know, agriculture going? And these type of governments, what they're trying to do on top of it is implement some sort of rule where you cannot either farm or you cannot either uh, grow a certain amount of, of uh, fruits and vegetables. That's what worries me uh, the most because it's going to be a fake famine. Knowingly well that we have a, a great amount of land to farm, to have agriculture going. And China has plenty, the Europeans have plenty, America has plenty, the continent itself has plenty of land to do that. But here are these uh, rulers, you can call it uh, presidents or prime ministers, they are uh, signing some sort of deals where they are basically telling you not to farm that's what we see some of that stuff in india and you can see some of these uh, collapses happening because the farmers are tired of this it's like no you're not going to put any rules into farming what we need to farm for for the better of our people to create to to create a product basically farming a product and then sell it to them at a, at a very good, decent amount of money so that everybody can be well-fed. And India, it's a very agricultural country, is suffering the consequences of some of his leaders by trying to restrain them. Obviously, there was an uh, insurrection because of that recent and ultimately the farmers end up winning in this case but what happens now is that india is not going to be able to sell to the outside like they used to because they're farming mainly for themselves oh, i'm sorry for themselves and the the this sales are not going to get to to the to the other countries that were actually buying these products we have now a crisis of perhaps a made-up crisis of shortages, including this inflation problem. I'm going to read uh, something from the 
USDA or United States Department of Agriculture, uh, the National Agriculture Statics Service. This is where I am actually getting these numbers. They're the ones feeding it to us. So here is what it's saying about some of the products you and I buy every day in the local stores or farm markets or whatever you go buy your goods. And by the way, what, what I'm going to say, it's all in, in uh, what is called uh, metrics of tons. That's how it's is, um, being sold by countries. So if a country is buying something, they're not going to buy by a couple of pounds. It's, it's going to be by, by a tons, metrics of tons. So what we have here is the first chart of uh, is rice and I'm looking at the chart and from the previous year was uh, 1.68 till now is 0 0.33 and again this is in metric tons per uh, per million million metric tons and uh, this is worldwide by the way worldwide so it has been going down again this situation is becoming uh, per design somebody sent to your government in mind to say no more of this this year and this is um, we have in a worldwide uh, epidemic uh, of things that we don't we don't get because surely the war has affected some things but not everything the production of, of wheat at point zero point seventy two uh, from previous years now it, it used to be one point four zero now it's uh 0.72 decreased it from a previous year again this is million metric tons corn production is down 2.49 percent barley is down 1.55 percent oats is down 10.8 2% soybeans 12.32% and some of these things it might sound not so bad but we have to understand that like I told you before if India is actually growing corn or oats and they're not going to be exporting it's going to affect us in the west it's going to affect the Europe world. A lot of these problems may seem that is caused by the war, but not really. It's caused by governments accepting the World Economic Forum, their rules. It's by design, most of these things. Keep in mind, again, we cannot blame 
the war and everything is happening. Yes, they make a lot of the things, uh, 20% here and 10% there, but, but it's not everything. Your country or my country, they do have harvest of corn. They do have harvest of fruits and vegetables. They probably import or export some things. But if you don't grow things, then we have a problem now. If we don't grow things at a certain amount of time, because we need to start growing, let's say it now, to harvest in a few more months, in half a year, let's say. I'm not a agricultural guy, but I can point out that we we uh, plant something now and then we harvest in a few months. If we don't have that harvest, then we're going to have problems. If we don't prepare, then we're going to have a problem. So now this whole fiasco that we have in the world, let's add this to it. It's it's a big problem. It's a big problem. I, I am hopeful that our countries have some plan at a least at a local level, at a least at a local level, your state, your city, municipality, that they are prepared in some sort of way. I'm here in Texas, so we are prepared in a certain way. But never, not, not in everything. So, I'll leave you with this. We'll come back next time and start pointing out things that we all can open our eyes. So, do not believe that everything is caused by the war because that's a lie. Complete a lie. There's some things affected by the war, but not everything. Thank you so much. We'll chat soon. Till next time.